Come on, if you love Jesus, can you give him a shout of praise today? Hey, I want you to just help me thank this amazing worship team doing an amazing job tonight. Come on, let's put our hands together for them. I want you to high five three people and grab a seat where you are. Well, I'm glad that you're with us tonight. If we haven't met, my name is Mark, and I get the privilege of serving on team here at The Exchange as the young adult pastor. I know there's a lot of first-timers in the room. Let's give it up for everyone joining for the first time. We're glad you are here with us tonight, and we're excited about where we're at in the life of our church, in the life of this ministry. Maybe you've heard we're kicking off groups tonight. Come on, somebody. we got groups kick off tonight. So excited about that. I know hundreds of people signing up, getting connected uh, to community, doing life with other people. I really believe if you're in the rows today, uh, you should also join us for small groups because it's in small groups and in circles that we grow the most. Not only do we've got small groups, we've got something right around the corner called Marriage Conference. Come on, somebody. Marriage Conference is right around the corner. And I'll tell you this, for all of you who are seriously dating, uh, engaged, uh, maybe even married in the room, I really believe that this conference is going to be a blessing to you. I want to encourage you to sign up. I think on the 15th, prices are increasing. And I just want you to get ahead of it. I think we're going to sell out. Uh, it's going to be an amazing time. It's going to be practical, applicable, and powerful. Get in the room. Tonight, somebody say tonight. tonight. We're kicking off our relationship series, our relationships collection. And I'm excited about tonight. Uh, maybe you've been with us in the past for our relationship series. I always think it's an exciting time. I love when we all get in the room, we get excited about practical handles for dating and singleness and even for marriage, talking about boundaries and all these different things. But I just sensed as we're going into 2024, uh, God kind of wanted us to shift how we go about our relationship series. You see, I, I know this to be true. All around the world, even on social media, on YouTube, you can find a whole lot about practical handles for your singleness, for your dating season of life, or about boundaries and marriage. But I believe that so many of us in 2024, we just need some biblical framework and a better understanding, not of what we need to be looking for, but rather who we are called to be. We need some framework. We need some understanding, not about what our desires should be in a spouse, not about what our desires should be for dating, but rather we need some understanding of who we are called to be in Christ. And I believe that when we focus on who we are becoming in Christ, chances are we're going to see more healthy marriages. Chances are we're going to see more people going through relationships, not just going through them, but remaining whole as they go through relationships. And we're going to jump into a lot of scripture over the next few weeks. Before I talk about scripture, I just want to let you know, uh, this is one of those collections, one of those series that I go, yeah, it's one thing to invite somebody, but you need to lean in for yourself. You need to lean in for yourself, because over the next few weeks, we're not just going to be talking about uh, a season of singleness, we're not just going to be talking about dating, we're going to be speaking about how all of these different things coincide and how God has a plan for that area of our life. And when I think about this statement, who am I becoming, I think it's a statement or a question that each and every one of us need to ask ourselves. Who am I becoming in Christ? Who am I becoming as a man? Who am I becoming as a woman? For me, this has been a personal prayer in 2024. Who am I becoming as a husband? Who am I becoming as a father? Who am I becoming as a leader? Who am I becoming as a pastor? 
And I think about all of these different areas of my life when I talk about becoming and growing, it all affects my relationships. All of those things affect my relationships. And I want to jump into a passage of scripture that I think is going to give us a lot of vision, not just for our relationships, but vision for our lives. And we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. This is the Apostle Paul. He's speaking to the church of Ephesus. He says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity that you have in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, somebody say instead. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making the music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've read this passage dozens of times. But as I was preparing for this talk, I felt like God just kind of disrupted my plan for this message. He said, no, this is where we need to be. Because when we look at verse 16, I want to key in on what it says in verse 16. It says, making the most of this moment. Make the most of this moment. And today, I just really want to speak from this simple idea. I'm just going to set the table for where we're going. But I want to speak from this idea, making the most of the moment. Making the most of the moment. You see, as we follow after Jesus, I think each and every one of us, we get to a place where we have a lot of questions about our relationships. God, who do you have for me? God, when will I get married? Do you desire for me to get married? And I think it's okay and it's healthy for us to have those questions, but I think when those questions are the drivers of our life, we miss out on who it is we are becoming. See, the most important thing in this life is not about who you're going to marry, it's about you doing what God has called you to do in this life. And we just kind of need to reverse some of our thinking and the patterns in which we follow. Because, friends, I'm here to tell you today, in 2024, there is no denying there's a lot of people missing out on the understanding of who God has called them to be. On who God has called them to be. And I just want us to kind of get this in our hearts today. Because whether you're single whether you're dating, when, whether you find yourself in a season of engagement or marriage, one of the most important questions you have to ask yourself is, who am I becoming? And as I ask myself, who am I becoming? It leads me to realize that God has a greater vision for my life, and I need to make sure whether I'm single or dating or engaged or married, I'm doing everything in that moment to become all that God has called me to be. It's a journey that God has us on. But we need to make sure in that moment we are becoming all that God has called us to be. You see, I think oftentimes when I look at the world today, there's so many people misunderstanding what it means to be in a relationship. And because they go into relationships with poor framework, what we see is more people adding on to the statistics ahead of time of more failed marriages. We see more people with a misunderstanding or a poor foundation as to what marriage and dating and engagement is all about, and what they're doing is adding on to the statistics of divorce. 
We see more people in this generation, especially Gen Z, who are adding on to the statistic of being destined to raise children who don't even know their parents. And I just believe wholeheartedly that if we could get this right in this season of our lives, we might be a people that flip the script on those statistics. We've got to start with that question, who am I becoming? And am I making the most of this moment in my life? This past weekend, um, I was at a gathering and was hanging out watching the game. We won't talk about the game. Taylor Swift, of course, um, found a way to manipulate the whole thing. I was watching the game, and as we're watching the game hanging out, one of my childhood best friends, his father, walks to the door of the house that we're hanging out. And I was excited. I was ecstatic. I haven't seen this man in years. And I run up to him. Ah, welcome. I'm so glad to see you. Give him a hug. And I quickly go, well, how's your wife? Where's your wife? You ever ask a question that you go, I wish I never asked that question? That was that moment for me. Because as soon as I asked that question, his countenance began to change. And he quickly responds to me, well, you know, Mark, um, she and I actually just just got divorced. I'm like, okay. And I didn't really, you know those awkward moments, like what do we follow up with? What do we say to this? And he continues to go, but you don't have to feel awkward about it. It's completely normal in today's day and age. And he began to let me know, and I didn't even realize at the time, they had been married for 30 years. 30 years. Yet here they are after 30 years giving up on their marriage. And believing it's the norm. And can I tell you, as he said, that is the norm. You don't have to feel uncomfortable, Mark. It's completely norm. Can I tell you, just the pastor in me just grieved. Because as much as I wanted to say, no, 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 that isn't the norm. How many of you know that is the norm? It's actually research that says 50% of marriages in today's day and age are ending in divorce. Research also says that one in every three young adults who get married between the age of 20 and 29, their marriage will end in divorce. That actually says in research that uh, those who are on their second or third marriage are 70% more likely to find themselves experiencing divorce again. And what's so interesting about this is I was reading through these different statistics. Yes, it broke my heart. But it also opened my eyes to realize that this is the information that's causing a generation to grow up with fear of the very same thing God wanted to use to represent the love of Jesus Christ. It's marriage, it's relationships that God wants to use to show a broken, hopeless humanity the love of Jesus. Yet so many of you in Gen Z, you don't want to get married. Marriage has a negative stigma. Never seen a healthy marriage. Why would I want to go through that? But I just believe that if we get back to this question of becoming all that God has called us to be before the altar, we might have a different view of marriage. We might have a better understanding of marriage. And friends, there's no denying that failed marriages and divorce have become the norm. But I believe we need to understand that if we don't want normal results like heartbreak and trust issues and divorce, we have to do things differently than what normal people are doing. we got to do things differently. And in 2024, we got to realize marriages are ending before they even begin because we've lost sight of the idea of becoming. I just want you to hear my heart. 
This message today, it's just setting the table for where we're going. I'm going to be practical next week. And you're going to hear from a couple other pastors some practical handles when it comes to relationships. But I just need you to get this in your heart right here in that one, week one. God wants you to make the most of this moment of your life. Whether you're single, if you're dating, if you're engaged, or even if you're married. He wants you to make the most of this moment of your life so you can be all that you were created and called to be. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. And I was talking to Michelle about this message and I told her, I was speaking from this idea, don't miss the moment. And she was like, well, don't you think that's a little confusing for, for this generation? Like living in the moment for this generation means I need to just go and have all the fun that I can have. I need to go and do all the things that I can do. I need to go live it up on the weekend. I need to go to Bar Howard and see my friends. I need to make the most of this moment. Because when I'm married, I lose that moment. And can I tell you the truth today? If you have a healthy theology and a healthy view of marriage, a healthy view of relationships, friends, marriage is the most fulfilling and exciting thing under the sun that God has given us. When you step to the altar, you don't lose something, you gain something. But so many of us, we've, we've summed up this life at, I need to have fun. I need to make the most of every moment living for the weekend. Some of you are in a relationship right now and you're still having a lot of fun. Doing the things that you know you shouldn't be doing. But can I tell you, each and every time that we miss out on the purpose and the meaning of this season of our lives, we are compromising the foundation of what could be in the future. And I think that so many of you in this room tonight, you have found yourself in a moment, in a space where you have experienced more hurt than you have actually walked in healing. So many of us in this room today, under the sound of my voice, you have been so tripped up over hurt from the past that you forgot what it actually feels like to be whole. Maybe it's because you have a compromised foundation. And I just believe that God wants to rebuild your foundation. I just believe that God wants to give you a vision for this area of your life. But you got to lean into what he wants to say. And you got to lean into this moment of your life. When we look at Ephesians chapter 5, I love this text so much because what we see is the Apostle Paul in verse 15 through 20, he's giving us instructions on how to live in godliness. And when we look at that word godliness in the Greek, it's actually translated and points back to the word becoming. The idea of godliness is to become more like Christ. So he talks about that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 20, but then when we get to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 33, he then talks and shares simple instructions on how to exist in godly relationships. Just don't think this is by chance. I think what the Apostle Paul is trying to help us understand is godly people find themselves in godly relationships. Healthy people experience healthy relationships. But so often what we try to do is we try to flip the script on those things. I will get healthy when I'm in a relationship. I will start running after God when I get that relationship. But if you keep on putting it backwards, what you will do is stifle your growth. And what I see is a generation of people 
that maybe do get excited about marriage, but you aren't mature enough to get married. It's not a message of condemnation. This is not a message of belittling people. I'm just trying to help you understand this simple instruction of God. Because when we talk about the first two verses, the Apostle Paul is very clear in what he wants us to do. It says this in verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity that you have in these evil days. Don't miss this, verse 17. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. I want to help you understand what the Lord wants you to do in this season of your life. Whether you're single, you're dating, you're married, and everything in between. I want to help you understand what the Lord wants you to do. You see, from this passage... The first thing the Apostle Paul instructs to the church of Ephesus is to stop living as fools but live as those who are wise. Look at what it says in verse 15. So be careful. Somebody say be careful. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but live as those who are wise. See, when it comes to how people are dating and going about relationships, I think there's a lot of foolishness in the world. Like think about what you see on social media. Matter of fact, Think about what you see on TV. 90 Day Fiance. Huh? Married at first sight. Huh? How about the ultimatum? What are we doing? Oh, what's another one? Give me another one. Somebody. Love is blind. I, I can't talk about The Bachelor or Bachelorette. I love you, Tyler Cameron. Um, my good friend. Um, but some of these things, some of these things are just foolish. Some of these things are just, just foolish. And so many of us, we're actually following the patterns of what we see on TV instead of the rule book of God's word. Some of you have never seen a healthy relationship modeled out for you in this life. So what do you do? You look to media, you look to what you see on TV, and you allow that to shape your framework. I think that's our number one problem. When the Apostle Paul talks about stop living in foolish patterns, some of you, that's your foolish pattern. You're allowing the world to set the stage for what you believe to be true about relationships. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I had a friend when I was in college, and... Uh, he was a guy that was just interesting. You have a friend that's just like, I just can't figure you out, man. Just always found himself in all of these different relationships that were like roller coasters. You ever have a friend that just finds himself constantly on a roller coaster relationship, just the ups and downs, don't look to your right or left? Um, that was this guy. Just relationships were just constantly like just a roller coaster. And uh, every other week, it just felt like a different girl showed up. Like, how'd you meet her? Tinder, praying for you. <laughs> Following week, different girl. How'd you meet her? Ah, oh, she slid into my DMs, bro. Um, this was the worst. One day he comes home, see this girl sitting on our couch. How'd you guys meet? <laughs> well, Mark, man, she was at the gym just working on her back squat. Figured I'd give her a spot. <laughs> so one day, um, bless me, if he listens to this, I love you. Uh, middle of the night, pouring rain outside, sleeping, and uh, shows up at the front door of our apartment, and he has two garbage bags in his hands. 
tears in his eyes. So I opened the door. Are you good? No. That girl that I introduced you to last week, she played me like a fool. Can I sleep on your couch? Sure, you can sleep on my couch. But the, the, I shouldn't say the worst thing about being a pastor. It's a gift. But he was one of those guys that I go, I'm a pastor to everybody, but you, I'm like, ah, ah, Mark, I don't know what I did wrong. Well, where did you meet her? At the gym. What caught your attention? Her back squat. <laughs> this is the way some of you are meeting some people. And you believe that that's the person that is going to carry you through. You're going to be at the altar face to face with. And you guys didn't have any common interest. You didn't even know if they knew Jesus. But the thing that brought you together was a physical attraction. And when I talk about living with foolishness, I think the number one driver in Gen Z that is bringing you into a relationship is appearance. And how many of you know this is foolish because gravity gets a hold of everyone? Oh, she looked good in her 20s. Let's talk about it when she's in her 70s. I think that so often our drivers are just so out of place. Our motivations for marriage, our motivations for relationships are so far gone. I think it's Proverbs 26, verse 11. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Such a strong verse. Just think about that. As a dog returns to its vomit, so does a fool return to its foolishness. Oftentimes we find ourselves at the end of the breakup going, I don't know how I ended up here. Well, you just kept going back to the very same thing that got you sick in the first place. You kept going back to the person that wronged you and hurt you and lied to you and backstabbed you. And I think many of us were even going through singleness and dating and we're rushing through our relationships in a foolish way, missing out on what it is that God wants to do in the present. You see, so many of us, we've been in search for healing longer than we've actually spent life living whole. And I think it's because we're living foolish living. We're living with foolish living. But notice what the second part of that verse says. It says, walk in the way of wisdom. Walk in the way of of wisdom. You see, when I walk in the way of wisdom, this changes the way I date. When I walk in the way of wisdom, this changes what I look at as my example for my relationship. When I walk in the way of wisdom, I stop giving my heart to everyone who has a pulse. When I walk in the way of wisdom, I stop giving my pearls to pigs. When I walk in the way of wisdom, I stop giving discounts because I know my worth. When I walk in the way of wisdom, I stop tolerating the abuse and the berating relationship. When I walk in the way of wisdom, I stop looking in the club for my spouse. Matter of fact, I stop going to the club. <laughs> Got to walk in the way of wisdom. Second thing we need to do if we want to understand what God wants us to do. In this area of our lives, our relationships, the second thing we need to do is stop chasing a fantasy and live for a legacy. Stop chasing a fantasy 
and live for her legacy. Ephesians 5.18, this verse stood out to me. It says this, I read this several times, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I don't want you to miss this because, you see, alcohol it can be considered what's called a hallucinogen. It can be considered something that alters your state of reality. It can be something that affects the way you actually view what's taking place in real time. And I think when it comes to this area of our lives called relationships, many of us are living with an altered reality. I feel like this, this generation, it's the Peter Pan generation. I'm chasing and pursuing something that doesn't even exist. I think I see this in the way that some of you go through your singleness. I had a girl come to me a couple days ago, and uh, it was on the weekend. Pastor Buck, I'm just waiting on the right one. She had it all figured out what he was going to look like. She even had the audacity to say, he's going to show up at my doorstep. I'm hoping that was metaphorical because if it wasn't, she better be okay with the UPS man. just going to show up at my doorstep. Or some of you have this idea that you can do what we call missionary dating. I, I can change that person with time. I, I, I can show them Jesus. Just got to get the open door. I, I, can, I can transform them. I can help them get a vision for the life that God is calling them to live. Um, I mean, you know, that's a dangerous spot to be in. Missionary dating. It's chasing a fantasy. And I kind of was like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this in week one. I don't know if I want to touch on this. But I just feel I need to be honest with the men in the room. Because when I think about chasing a fantasy, I just have to say it how it is. I think that there are so many guys that think they're guys, but really they're living as boys. And, and, and I think it's real easy, ladies, to get excited about that, but, but be slow with this. Be slow with this. Be slow with this. Let's be careful. It, it says, research says, the average male before the age of 21 will spend 14,000 hours playing video games. Now, I'm okay with, with things to just kind of break away, but I think that that's a sign that that's not a breakaway, that's an escape. I think that so many boys or guys who think they're guys are living through this life of, I need to escape from reality. Friends, that's 500 plus days of your life spent behind a screen. Not only do I think about video games, uh, I think about how many young adults in today's day and age are actually making the decision, I don't want to mature, I don't want to break free from the covering of my parents, I'm just going to live at home. Research actually proves to us that, that the age that people are actually leaving out from underneath their parents' roof just keeps going up and to the right. Not only that, I think about uh, more young adults are quitting their jobs and just living off government assistance. I think about how many people we have in this day and age who have actually lost sight of what it means to mature and grow up. 
And there is no denying that this is affecting relationships in the long run. There's no denying that this is affecting marriages. There's no denying that this is affecting the way we leave generational impact and live a life of legacy. I was reading this the other day, and I just love studying different cultures. In the Jewish culture, uh, many of you know this, but there are different stages and phases of their lives where they have these celebrations or rites of passages where they send men. And I just think so many of us need to maybe look back on Jewish culture and get a vision, get an idea that we are no longer called to live as boys, but now we are called to live as men. See, in the Roman culture, there were three different phases as a young man was growing up. And that last phase was the phase of adolescence, because at the age of 18, it was no longer okay for you to stay home. You were called to be sent. Think about this moment in Luke chapter 2. Scripture tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, that Jesus, he grew in stature, he grew in favor with God, he grew in favor with man, he increased in wisdom. That was at the age of 12. In the Jewish culture, at the age of 12, young men were called to work. But here we have men in this day and age sitting on mommy and daddy's couch. We got to grow up, men. We got to get a vision for who God is calling us to be. Think about verse 31 in Ephesians chapter 5. It says that the two will leave their mother and father and become one. I'm all about, for those of you who find yourself in a place of challenge, still living at home, I get it. It's circumstantial. But none of us should be in a place where we're going, we can't break free of mommy and daddy's covering. We can't afford it. Maybe you need to press halt on getting married. Two are called to leave mom and dad and become one, to become united as one. You gotta leave and cleave. It's a new chapter. 18 to 21, that's a turning point in life. We gotta start maturing and get a vision for the life that God is calling us to live. When I think about legacy, I think about vision. Legacy leads to vision. Because I'm not thinking for the now, I'm thinking for who I'm called to be in my future. I think some of us need to just get this simple word in the room. We need to stop thinking in four years and start thinking, who am I going to be in 40 years? Got to get a vision from a life. Think about this. I, I was reading an article the other day about elderly couples, couples specifically that have been married for 50 plus years in life. And majority of these couples that said, hey, I, I've been married for 50 plus years, they would actually acknowledge the fact that they're not fulfilled or satisfied in their marriage. But they just don't want to go through the divorce process. What's so interesting about that statistic or that idea is I just wonder, when they were 18 or 19 or 20 years old, did they think they would find themselves in that place? Where people are just, oh, we just, we just fell out of love or we're growing apart. That doesn't happen. At least it shouldn't happen. But I want us to be a people who have a vision for who we're going to be at 60 and 65 and 70 years old. So when we're empty nesters and we're facing our spouse for the very first time with no kids under the roof, with no jobs that we've got to report to, we are in deeper love. But it starts with creating that foundation now. Got to have a vision for our life. Got to have a vision and an understanding for who it is that God has created and called us to be. I don't know about you, but I want to be better at 70. I want to love my wife, Michelle, at that age more than ever. But it starts with making some decisions right now. See, when we look at the text, 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. The Apostle Paul, he continues, he says, Submit yourselves to one another because of your reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband has authority over his wife, just as Christ has authority over the church. And Christ is himself the savior of the church, his body. And so wives, you must submit themselves, or wives must submit themselves completely to their husbands, just as the church submits itself to Christ. See, from time to time, I'll find myself talking to couples about this verse, and I realize that a lot of women just don't like the idea of this word submission. Pastor Martin, you, you want me to submit to this fool? <laughs> that idea of submission women struggle with today. And fellas, can I be honest? I think we've given them a reason to struggle with that idea. I think we've given them a reason to struggle with this concept, but I even know some men who love the sound of this verse that, oh, she, she has to submit to me. I get to tell her what she needs to do. She's got to submit. I, I love that idea of submission. Can I tell you, if that's where your heart is, man of God, you're too immature to be submitted to. Because you've missed the point. Submission isn't about power. Submission is about service. Because Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. He did this to dedicate the church to God by his word after making it clean by the washing it in water in order to present the church to himself, in all of its beauty, pure and faultless, without spot or wrinkle, or any other imperfection. Don't miss this, verse 28. Men ought to love their wives just as they love their own bodies. A man who loves his wife loves himself. I know there's some men that get terrified when they hear this verse. I know there's some men that shrink back whenever they hear that verse because what that means is responsibility and sacrifice. Got now a heightened responsibility. I got to actually start sacrificing some things in my life. But friends, when we understand what God is calling us towards, we find that there's power in submission, women of God. And men of God, we find that there's strength in service. We find there's strength in service. And I was recounting a, a moment in my life. I was thinking about dating and marriage, and I was just a kid. I was 14 years old, maybe 15. How many of you remember maybe going to Steak and Shake with your girl because that's all you could afford? I remember I was about 14, 15 years old, and I was sitting across the table from, from my girlfriend at the time. Michelle's not here, so I can talk about this. Um, I'm just kidding. I was sitting across from the table and uh, pulled out a napkin, just start like jotting down all of our bucket list things that we wanted to do and like building our future home. And 
just being a kid, just being naive and foolish. But I still think that's the place a lot of you men are in the room. I think that's the place you're living still. Just fantasizing. Just fantasizing. And I would say if fantasy drives your life, you will always miss out on becoming who God has called you to be. You'll always miss out on who God has called me to be. See, men, we got to get in our hearts tonight. I'm not living for a fantasy. No, I want to live a life of legacy. And when I set my eyes on legacy, it leads me to do the last thing the Apostle Paul instructed the church of Ephesus to do. It leads me to get really serious about my relationship with Jesus. Because what I realize is if I have a vision for my life, the only person that can guide me and lead me and help me fulfill that vision is Jesus. And I think that some of us, we, we need to get to a place where we get serious about our relationship with Jesus Christ. It says this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, going back to the top, it says, Don't be fools then, but try to find out what the Lord wants you to do. Don't get drunk with wine, which will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit when I give my life to Jesus. But there's a difference between the filling of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I think many of us, yes, we've gotten to a place where we've given our life to Jesus, and yes, the Holy Spirit resides in your heart, but you aren't living with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says, I live with the power of the Holy Spirit. I can now become all that God has called me to be. It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But not only does he say, be filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 19, he says, speak to one another with the words of psalms and hymns and sacred songs. Sing hymns and psalms to the Lord with praise in your heart. What the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church of Ephesus to do is to live in community and to worship the Lord together. See, if we want to fulfill the vision, if we want to become the person that God has called us to be, friends, we can't do it alone. We need other people. So I'm excited about tonight because we're kicking off groups. I believe there's like-minded people that are going to sit around the table and help you walk in all that God has for you in this life. But if we want to do all that God has called us to do, we need to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need people in our life that are going to help us become all that God has called us to be. See, I'm passionate about this because I've seen so many young adults rushing through this season of life believing that the altar is the answer to their loneliness seen so many young adults rushing to the altar prematurely. I've seen so many young couples, even right now in this moment, seeking counsel because they're ready to file papers for divorce. I've seen so many young couples in this exact season, in this room, that find themselves lacking a vision for the relationship. In fact, that's my story. I can't look back on my side of my family and even recount anyone who had a successful marriage. Michelle and I talk about this all the time, even on her side. She can't look back and recount anyone who had a successful marriage. But by God's grace, he surrounded us with people who became mentors and leaders and pastors that gave us vision for our relationship. Friends, you can't do this alone. You need other people to come alongside of you to become all that God has called you to be. I heard it said this way, maybe earlier this week or maybe even today, that it takes one healthy relationship one healthy marriage 
to change the trajectory of the next five generations that follow. That's why I'm passionate about this. Because I believe that this is so much bigger than us. This is about your children and your children's children. This is about showing the love of Jesus to a hopeless, broken generation that's in need of the love of Jesus Christ. And when we look at verse 31, it says that we become one in Christ Jesus in the context of marriage and our relationships. Why? Not for ourselves, but to let the world know about the hope and the love of Jesus. If you close your, close your eyes and bow your heads. I don't know where you find yourself right now in this moment. But I want to let you know, you can't live the life that God has called you to live without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't live the life that God has called you to live without living a life filled with wisdom. You can't live the life that God has called you to live by chasing after a fantasy. You can't live the life that God has called you to live without being completely dependent upon God. And I believe today that as we kick off this series, there's some of you that need to start with the most important relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus. See, the Bible says that you and I, we were separated from God because we have something in our lives called sin. But sin, it doesn't make us bad. Sin makes us dead. But it's the grace of God, the mercy of God that separates us from our sin. You see, Jesus, he died on a cross so you and I could be made free. And he says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You find freedom, you find healing, and you find a fresh beginning, a new relationship with Jesus. It's the most important relationship you can have. Not only is it a relationship, the thing, the relationship that leads you to a feeling of fulfillment, gives you vision, gives you direction, and it gives you everything that you've been in search of. If you want a relationship with Jesus, nobody's looking around. I just want you to just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. See your hand going up. Hands going up. Put your hand down. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. And the way that we confess is by praying, by acknowledging our sin and receiving salvation the free gift of eternal life. We're gonna pray this prayer together. And if it's you that raised your hand in this moment, I want you to know we're praying this as a family because we wanna celebrate alongside of you. Let's repeat this together. Lord Jesus, would you come to my heart? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you help me live a life that's pleasing to you? Lord, I'm turning from the old and I wanna walk in the new. I wanna become all that You've created me to be. So from this day forward, help me to live a life that's completely surrendered and points other people to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.